Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Lance's House of Sports. Don't forget to rate the podcast, share it with a friend, and tune in weekly for weekly podcasts. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. We are back after another exciting week of football, both college, both NFL, coming off the one-year anniversary episode. We're right back where we're supposed to be with me and my boy, Ben Gabriel. Welcome back to the show after the week off, Ben. Yeah, sorry about that, man. A little (laughs) sick last week. Yeah, it still sounds like you're still a little sick right now, but that could just be the school talking. I don't know, maybe that's just me. Maybe a little bit. Maybe still coming off of it, but I'm feeling 100%, so that's all that matters. That's all that matters, and luckily we got you back on the show today to talk about some Buckeye football, Yeah, which I was upset to have to talk about this Ohio State-Notre game without you last week. Yeah, But I'm happy because we get to talk on a good note regarding the Buckeyes in a 59 minute and 59 seconds of stressful football watching for all Ohio State fans. But it was the Buckeyes that came out on top with the chip train them one yard rush to get us the W. And that game was led by the defense without a doubt. And our defense made a statement. I think they're arguably one of the best defenses in the nation right now after a performance like that against Sam Hartman. Yeah. What do you think? I mean... People were saying if he beat us, he was, you know, a for sure Heisman candidate and all the stuff about how great Notre Dame's offense was. So we held him to what? What was it? 10, Four, 17 four, to 14 final. 14 points. So, I mean, we're them. First four games of the season for Notre Dame. I mean, granted, they went up against Navy, Tennessee State, NC State, and Central Michigan. So no even relevant names at all. Um, they put up over 40 in every single game. We held yeah. them to 14. Yeah, That's extremely promising, but what's even more promising to me, and don't give me any backlash for this, Kyle McCord <laughs> came through in the clutch, man. Let me th- he didn't have a perfect game. I mean, not even close. I mean, both teams were all over the place, honestly. It was a straight defensive battle, um, and I would say it was Trevion Henderson carrying the show for us offensively, but man, we're down 14-10. We're... I want to say about at the 25-yard line, 20-yard line, looking to, looking to get into the end zone, fourth and one. We hit, we hit it with a sweep to Emeka Ibuka. We get stuffed. We get stopped. I don't know what your first reaction there, but I thought the game was over right there and then. There was only about four minutes left in the game. Notre Dame needed to get one or two first downs, and that was it. Defense came up huge. We ended up getting the ball back, and Kyle McCord had two huge third-down throws on that final drive to lead us to eventually get the victory and score that touchdown. Yeah, I mean, going back to the jet sweep on fourth and one, I mean, my first reaction was like, what the fuck was that play call? <laughs> yeah, what are we doing? Seriously. It's like, why seriously. are we handing the ball out inside zone, you know? I mean, because I've been saying on this podcast for weeks now, you know, I haven't been a fan of our run or our, or, I'm sorry, I'm struggling to get this out, our run blocking. We haven't been able to run it up the middle well at all, I would say. When we're thriving running the ball, it's when they take it outside. Yeah. So I understand what they were thinking there, but what? We were six inches away from a first down there, and you're trying to take it all the way outside to the corner just to get a yard? I'm thinking just like Eagles, you know? QB sneak. Yeah, seriously. To get your six inches. That Eagles offense has that QB sneak down to perfection. Yeah. And it's crazy because other teams— against the Buccaneers on third and one, didn't get it, and then ran the, the same exact QB sneak on fourth and one, and then got it. Because if it ain't just, broke, they know. Yeah. Like, maybe you'll stop us one time. You're not going to stop us twice. No. Yeah. But moving past that, because that's obviously not what happened, I'm incredibly impressed with Kyle McCord, and 
He's yeah. of co- of course he's the full time starter now. We knew that already, but he looks like someone that I can trust to bring us into the college football playoffs. Now I haven't been saying that all year, and after a big win like that against Notre Dame, I am a true believer that we can make the college football playoffs. Are you on the same side with me? You're kind of giving me a weird smirk right now. What do you think? I 100 percent agree with you. Okay, I'm wow. I'm laughing because because I haven't been a believer. Yeah. You've been a believer in the wrong team. <laughs> we'll get to that later, but don't bring that up right now. I mean, it's not like I haven't been believing in the team. There's just so many question marks going into the season. Offensive line has been questionable. The quarterback, you have to admit, it's been questionable the first three weeks. Yeah. Even in this game against Notre Dame, I mean, 21 for 37, 240 yards. Yeah. No touchdowns, no picks. Um, had an 89.5 QBR. He played a good game. He's just doing what he's supposed to do. 57% passing. Obviously, there's room for improvement there. But then again, we were going up against ninth in the nation, Notre Dame. Got to give him credit where credit's due. He performed, and he got it done for us. Yeah. And now when you look at the rest of the schedule, not really a whole lot of competition until we go up against Penn State, um, I want to say in about six weeks or so. Penn State and then Michigan at the end of the season when we travel to Ann Arbor – I have not been super impressed. When with those did you teams, say the honestly. Penn State game was? I want to say in about six weeks. I don't know exactly. I'm not. I don't have the schedule in front of me. Four weeks. In four weeks. Four weeks from this. October twenty first. Oh wow, that's only, that's like three weeks. Yeah. Okay, so that's we right have a, we have a bye Saturday. So yeah, yeah. Luckily, Buckeyes get a bye week after that big win. Um, chance to rest their bodies. Uh, chance to watch the film. Still try and improve their team because, I mean, even though Ryan Day said you know toughness that's all he knows from this team we're tough i mean i still think we got a long way to go if we want to get to that final goal at the end of the season but man oh man i can't get over how impressive that defense was i seriously can't holding this team to 14 points all the announcers were talking about going into the game was all the experience that sam hartman had under his belt and that's kind of the sole reason why they were the favorites in that game because you're taking sam hartman over comic court all day long and i agree that sam hartman Seemed poised back there. He was making good throws. He was going through his reads. But in the clutch, in the second half, I mean, I wouldn't say that because they were able to score. But down the stretch, I was not impressed at all. And looking at Penn State, looking at Michigan, J.J. McCarthy, I'm not sold. Drew Aller, I'm a big fan of his. But Penn State's, I mean, they're not what I've been expecting them to be right now. I'm a true believer we can run the table with this Big Ten. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our you know biggest game of the year is Michigan. Last game of the season, so we go undefeated till then, which I think it's looking good for us. I could agree. We got Maryland in uh, two weeks at home facing uh, Tua's younger brother Talia, yeah. which he's leading the Big Ten in passing yards right yeah. now. So it's going to be bad. so it's going to be bad at all. It's going to be a good test for our defense. Hundred um, percent. Can't believe they're not ranked. Some bullshit. <laughs> undefeated. I, mean, I, think, I think there's a. I think there's a fair reason why Maryland's not ranked. They've never proved anything. But I think a game we need to look out for for Ohio State is that Purdue game in two weeks. Or, excuse me, in three weeks. And that's just because we're going up against Penn State the week after. Hopefully we don't look ahead. Um, I'm hoping it's not something that Florida State has already dealt with this year, Colorado dealt with before they ended up getting washed against the Oregon <laughs> this past weekend. But, you know, Ryan Day seems confident in his group. He seems really confident in Kyle McCord. Marvin Harrison, I'll continue to say it again and again and again. 
he I know he only had 32 yards, yeah. but he's the best wide receiver in football, and he was the reason that Emeka Ibuka was able to get what he was getting in that game. But don't yeah. get me wrong, he's no Marvin was getting triple team the whole game. Yeah, <laughs> whole game. It was it was it was crazy, and, and he got hurt. You know, yeah, he got hurt early. He know? did, but he stayed in. He stayed in, but he, he wasn't. Playing. He wasn't. You know, he wasn't a hundred percent. You could argue that he wasn't a hundred percent, but yeah. I mean, he has an ankle sprain, so. Did they did they uh, yeah, come out? It's with like that? a it's a it's an ankle sprain. Okay, wow, I did not see that. That's big news. Yeah, because I know ankle sprains no big deal, but we are talking about Marvin Harrison. Yeah, and that I mean, when you go and look back at that play, I am surprised it wasn't a high ankle sprain, or he didn't break something. Yeah, I thought he broke his foot or his leg or yeah, it looked bad. I mean, granted, he took one for the team. Good he block. Took, he we took scored a, on great that play. block. Great yeah. block. Got uh, Travion Henderson yeah. that sixty-one yard rushing touchdown. Opened up the game for us, honestly, because we were struggling to get anything going offensively. And hats off to Marvin. Yeah. Um, but moving forward past the Buckeyes, we know what they are now. I'm no longer going to start doubting Cal McCord. I still think he needs to go through his reads better, but he's improving each and every week, and that's all I am That's all I want from him. Yeah. And now moving past the Buckeyes, I got to get into this conversation, sadly, because I've been hyping him up all year. But Oregon, Colorado this past weekend, yes, Colorado had no Travis Hunter for them on both sides, but it was the Bo Nick show all day long in the Oregon defense. Yeah. I mean, talk about a straight annihilation game from start to finish. Nearly held the shutout against uh, Shador Sanders and primetime's Colorado Buffaloes. They ended up winning the game 42-6. to Bo Nix, 276 yards, three touchdowns. Um, I mean... They looked incredibly impressive, but I kind of want to move past this at that point because there's still a long season ahead for Oregon. We know how tough that Pac-12 conference is. I mean, we got Oregon. You got Caleb Williams in USC. You got Michael Penix Jr., who's actually now the listed favorite to win the Heisman right now. I don't know if you saw that. I did see that. In Washington. Washington is number one in a lot of uh, power rankings. Uh, and what what type of power rankings are you just looking at? Articles on ESPN, just writers. They're just ranking them number one in the nation. Yeah, wow, that's yeah. unbelievable. I think they have the best offense in football right now. I mean, you could argue, but at the same time, I mean, when you look at the type of teams that yes, who Washington has already played, but you know the conference they're in. I mean, the Pac-12 is known for their dominant offenses with weak defenses. Yeah. And I think we're just going to continue to see that all year long. And maybe that leads them to the playoffs as that gets back into my discussion. You know, there, I would say it's a three-team race over there in the Pac-12. The three teams I said, USC, Oregon, and Washington. Well, we're going to see Oregon go up against... Utah, too. Utah, too, I guess. I'm not... Utah's I'm not, good. I'm not sold on them at all. At all. Especially, I mean, I know I know they won their game this past weekend, but only beating UCLA fourteen to seven. I mean, UCLA, I just wasn't incredible. I wasn't that impressed. Yeah, they're a good team. They're they're a ranked team. Yeah, but I I just think I think Oregon, Washington, and USC are just at a different tier than Utah, in my opinion. Yeah, but I'm sure Utah players appreciate you bringing them up. Yeah, um, we're gonna figure out just how good everyone. Honestly, as I mean, Utah, they just beat UCLA. They got Oregon State this coming up week. And uh, DJ. DJ Ugalele or something? Ugalele. I have no idea. But they're going up against them next week. They got USC in three weeks. They got Oregon in four weeks. They got Washington in six weeks. Everyone's going to be playing everybody. So maybe they end up proving you wrong with Cam Rising and company. 
if he comes back. Yeah. But so comparing this Oregon team from what we saw against Colorado with Washington and what you've seen from them all year, if you had to take one of these teams, because, you know, only a 14 playoff for the last year this season until we move to 12, who's the one team you're taking right now before you see these teams match up? Probably still taking USC. Yeah? Yeah. I just like their quarterback the best. Uh, obviously, Michael Penix Jr. is great. You know, 16 touchdowns, two interceptions on the year. Yeah. Great start. But I just think Caleb Williams is, you know, still the best player in the country, best quarterback in the country. I like I, USC. I don't think the the defense is for Washington. And Oregon's defense looked good against Colorado, but... They did. I think Colorado's bad. I think that's what that boiled down to at the end of the day. I don't think Colorado's bad. They're bad. They're a bad football team. They're not a bad football team. You don't lose team. by 40 and... They're not a bad football if team. Any, stop. If you're... God. They're not a bad football team. If anybody else lost by 40, you would say they were bad. They got, I agree that they got pounced. If Travis I Hunter agree. was in that they game, dominated. they would have still lost by 40. Instead, he was I streaming they, 2K think, at halftime. <laughs> that is unbelievable. They were losing. They were, they were losing 35 to 0. But the fact that the fact that he was streaming during the game and then after the game, he texts Deion Sanders and says, I'm playing next week. Like, I'm not taking no for an answer. Like, bro, go to the game. Watch the game, you know? That's just not something I respect from a player like that. I mean, he's supposed to be one of the best in the nation, one of the best. I mean, he plays both ways. I won't say the best in his position because he plays both ways, but he's a he's a top name in college football. And yeah. even though you're injured, I don't see an excuse to be playing video games in the middle of your team playing a football game against Oregon. <laughs> even if you're getting your ass kicked. Maybe that's just me. I mean, I agree, but, you know, if you watched the first half, like there was no point watching the second half, you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Let let's say but let's say like like if Georgia when Georgia beats, you know, fifty percent of the teams in the SEC, forty two to seven, you would say those teams are bad. Those are bad football teams. And Colorado is no different. And I think they lost to a way worse team than Georgia. I think Colorado finishes the season ranked. <laughs> Maybe. Who else? They're still, I don't think they, it's that crazy. They play. They still have to play USC next yep. week. They play USC this week. Do they have to play Washington? Noon game. They do not play Washington. Do they have to play Utah? They play Utah last game of the season. Who else do they play? Um, so they got USC next week. It's a noon game. And then they got Arizona State, Stanford, UCLA. I think all of those games are winnable. I think they win all three of those games. Um, cause hopefully after this USC game, Travis Hunter's back and then you got Oregon state. I think that's a big test, honestly, even though I wasn't saying, I don't think Oregon state's all that. I mean, we were talking about the top tiers compared to them. I think that's a true test, but it's also at home. So that'll be big for them. They got Arizona and then they finish the season at Washington state at Utah. So those are going to be two big games at the end of the season. Cause Washington state has looked pretty darn good. These first few weeks, honestly, they've been winning football games. So they have to play USC. So that's another loss. So now they're three and two. Yes. And then they have to play Utah. That's a loss. That's three losses. Okay. They have to play Washington State, you said? Yes. That's four losses. Okay. They have to play UCLA. I think that's five losses at least. Okay. <laughs> You think they start heading in the wrong direction here after this big yeah, loss? Because I think they're they didn't score points, not because like oh like their wide receivers couldn't get open, but Shador Sanders never had more than two seconds to throw the ball before he got hit because their offensive line is so bad. 
And once they start playing higher caliber teams that have good defensive lines, he's going to get sacked six, seven times a game. I think they can win eight games. I think they can do it. Maybe that's crazy. Eight and four. Eight and four. That that's not crazy, but you know I think they lose to Stanford. Like I think, think they're they gonna lose to Stanford. I think they're gonna lose like six or seven. So games. you think they really hit a downward trend here? So yeah, they they started the season with TCU ranked because they went to the Natty last year. They shouldn't uh-huh. have been ranked. They stink. Beat them on you know game winner type shit. Right? No, yeah. They, yeah. Yeah, basically they won yeah. by three. Yeah, yeah. It, went, it was went down. And then to they that. played a, a couple bums. Nebraska, Colorado State. Yeah, Colorado State snuck out of that one. Yeah, probably should have lost. Yeah, maybe you're right. Nebraska stinks, and maybe then you're they, right. And then they played a good team and lost by forty. Yeah, maybe you are right. I don't know. Only time will tell. But at the end of the day, no matter what happens, I mean, I'm extremely impressed with this team, though. Yeah, extremely I mean, impressed. Yeah, they won two more games than they did last year. That's already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's huge. How about, uh, I mean, looking at the rest of these rankings here in college football, because after that big win for us, that bumped us back up to number four in the country. Um, And then looking at the teams around us, you know, you got Texas, Michigan, and Georgia, the three teams in front of us. Um, We've seen it before with two Big Ten teams getting the the playoffs, but there's just not a lot of room for everybody with all these talented teams, in my opinion. I mean, I... I know Georgia's ranked one. I'm not sold on them. I'm not sold on Carson Beck. I still got to see it against the top-ranked team. I know Florida State has been questionable these last couple couple of weeks. They're getting the job done, but they're not dominating teams. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm still that a Clemson big, game was not. No. That was that was not good for them. But that was a primetime game. Dabo Sweeney, he's been going through a bunch of backlash, talking about how his program's fallen into the mud. You knew they were going to compete in that game. You had to think it was going to be a ball game, but it was just the better team ended up coming out on top. But a team like Florida State, we got another Big Ten in Penn State. And then you got these Pac-12 teams back-to-back-to-back at 7-8-9 with Washington, USC, Oregon. And then again at number 10 with Utah. Yeah, There's a lot of options here um, when it's all said and done come playoff time. Yeah, I mean, four, three of those teams you said are going to end up losing a game because they all play each other. Yeah. You think they end up knocking each other out? Yeah. So you that's don't think what, the you don't think the winner of the Pac-12 championship gets That's in the what playoffs. happens in the Big 10 all the time, you know. Say, you know, we beat Penn State and then we lose to Michigan, but Penn State beats Michigan and now we all have one loss. That that doesn't happen that often though. Not necessarily a lot, but like we've seen it before. It happens just, in other conferences all the know? time. It always happens in the SEC. Teams are always beating each other up, but they always still put in the conference champion because it's the SEC, respectably. I feel like the same should be said for this Pac-12 conference because it's loaded, honestly. And you got to expect these teams to beat each other up. And with a lot of these prospects that are probably going to the league next year, I mean, I I hope by the end of the season, the committee gives this conference its props while it's still alive, you know, (laughs) because it's not going to be alive much longer. (laughs) No, it's not. Rightfully so. I mean, yeah, rightfully so. They were never in the top echelon of conferences, anyways, in that Power Five. Has Pac-12 had a team in the playoffs? They had Washington once, right? No, they've had teams. They've had they've had teams. Oregon's been in the playoffs. Washington's been in the playoffs. Those are the only two that are coming to my mind, but I'm sure there was another one. But yeah, what do you think of Texas, though? Last team I want to talk Mm. about before we move on. They're good. I think they're. I think they're probably right now the best team in the country. I would not disagree with that, honestly. I think Quinn Ewers is looking like probably the best or the second best quarterback in the country Yeah, right now. I mean, he's balling on Texas. They looked great against Bama a couple weeks ago. I mean, 
I don't know. And now they're just doing their yeah. they're doing their job. Yeah. They beat Wyoming thirty one to ten. They beat Baylor on the road thirty eight to six. Quinn Ewers, like you were saying, he's been, he's been unreal. He's just so good at sitting in the pot. He's such an NFL quarterback in my eyes. I just can't wait to see him in the league. Yeah. And I truly think he's going to be a stud. Um, so hopefully he doesn't fall in the draft. I think he could end up being a second-round prospect. But that's a day-one guy, without a doubt. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think by the end of the year, the scouts will realize it, too. I mean... The only big question mark about Texas I have, though, is that after since this Bama W, I mean, we really... I don't know how to feel about Alabama. I mean, they've been dealing with quarterback issues. Um, tailing off from last year, they've kind of been struggling in uh, top competitive games. Um, they were able to get it done uh, this past week. Yeah, Ole Miss. They were able to get it done this past week. Thank you against Ole Miss. Um, it was a dogfight, but they were able to pull it out. But looking at the rest of Texas's schedule, I mean, they got Kansas this week who's ranked, but I mean, Jaden Daniels and that crew, I'm, I don't see them as a threat to Texas. Then you got Oklahoma with um, uh, Dylan Gabriel at quarterback. I mean, he's a good quarterback, but do you see them testing Texas? I honestly don't. No, I, don't I honestly don't. Oklahoma's that good. And then Texas doesn't have a ranked opponent the rest of the season. Terrible strength schedule. I mean, that's what you get for playing in the Big 12, right? 100%. Yeah. I mean, so I feel like even though we might see them as this top tier team, possibly one of the best in the nation. I think it might eventually come back to bite them, even if they do make the playoffs. Yeah. Because they not, won't have the preparation Yeah, leading to playoff time. I'd love to play them in the playoffs. 100%. That'd be, a, that'd be a great game. Are you kidding me? Quinn Ewers going up against his former college team that he basically just used to get a, a bunch of NIL money while sitting on the bench? That'd be game of the year. Yeah. Game of the year. <laughs> 100%. Now. You got that on my mind now. Yeah. I mean, Michigan-Ohio State's game of the year. Oh, always. Always. We can put that number two. And I guess we can't move past that because there's a long season ahead and we got a long way to go until we can possibly make the playoffs. Yeah. Are you worried? Uh, obviously, we're all worried about it, but are you confident going down the rest of the stretch of the season for the Buckeyes as they go into play against Penn State, as they go into play at the end of the year against Michigan? Or are you someone that thinks Penn State or Michigan are just better overall? I don't think either of the three teams are looking – you know, like fantastic. Yeah. I've seen Michigan really struggle. I've seen Ohio State really struggle. I've seen Penn State really struggle. You know, Christian, Christian, <laughs> JJ McCarthy. I'm glad you don't know his name. No yeah. one should. He's a bum. <laughs> He's a bum. He threw three picks against Bowling Green. Yeah. Like, that's terrible. I agree. That's terrible. Granted, Jim Harbaugh was suspended, but I don't think that should matter when you're playing literally the worst team in FBS. Yeah. I mean, just looking at McCarthy's stats for the year, I know he had three picks in that one game, but those are his only picks on the season. So it could have just been one of those games for him. But I'm just, after that Notre Dame win, I am totally just back on the train for the Buckeyes. I mean, <laughs> but it's it's honestly because I think our defense looked outstanding. Yeah. I mean, just from head to toe. From head to toe, we were dominant. And just... Looking at the stats right here, we were led by Lathan Ransom in the game against Notre Dame. 13 tackles. Um, my boy Tyleek Williams, who I had a class with last year, he had a sack on your boy, or on the boy Sam Hartman. JTT looked fantastic. Yeah. Josh Proctor looked fantastic. Steel Chambers looked fantastic. How about Sonny Styles, the Columbus, Ohio guy? He's I know he's been starting all year, but he had a good he had a good game in the secondary, yeah. honestly. Yeah. And I was extremely impressed. And then with the with the captain, Tommy Eichenberg, I mean, 
when you look at that roster, I didn't even say Jack Sawyer's name. When you look at that defense head to toe, we are going to be able to compete yeah. with anybody this you year. You didn't say Denzel Burke either. I didn't say Denzel Burke either. They don't even throw the ball to him. Yeah. He's been well, so good this season. Because he's, so, he's yeah. clamps. Yeah. They don't even throw at him. Yeah. He's crazy. He's going to be a top 10 pick probably. So listen, listen, listeners. The Buckeyes are back. We're back up. We're back, we're back on top. And I'm expecting a big year out of the Buckeyes this year. And I'm totally back on the train to where even though we don't have that superstar quarterback, we have what we need around him. And I think as long as he does his job, we can thrive. As much as I, as much as we need to get into the NFL with another big injury, sending down a key receiver for the season, and some crazy points that are being scored um, this past weekend, we got to talk about some breaking news that just broke a few hours ago before we started this podcast, and it's that the trade with Damian Lillard has finally happened. But it wasn't to the team we were all thinking he was going to go to, the Miami Heat. No, no, no. He's going to the Milwaukee Bucks to play with Giannis Antetokounmpo and company out in Wisconsin. First, first take reactions on that before I give the breakdown on the trade, Ben? They're crazy. It's a crazy <laughs> team. I saw their potential starting five. It was Dame, Pat Connaughton, Chris Middleton, Giannis and Brooke Lopez with Bobby Portis coming off the bench. Yeah. It's the best six guys, you know, that you could have on the team. I mean, I definitely think the duo between Giannis Antetokounmpo and Dame Lillard is the best in the league now. Yeah. I don't even know if that's a debate. I mean, there's some guys you could debate it. I think they're going to play like it, too. I think they are, too. That's the scary part. They're the only only duo now considered. Granted, they weren't on the same team, but they both averaged 30 last year. Yeah, You think it's going to be weird for him, though, playing with – you know, a superstar bigger than him. hundred percent. He's always been with, you know. He's always been the guy. Yeah. They've never really had a star forward. Like the only other superstar he played with was CJ McCollum. Yeah. And I saw like McCollum's a star in my eyes, but he's not a superstar. Yeah, he's not Giannis. He's not well, no one's Giannis. Yeah. He's playing with a six eleven Greek freak now. And me as a Celtics fan, I mean, I saw that he didn't get traded in Miami and I was ecstatic because, you know, I hate Miami. Fuck him. But this might be worst case scenario as a fan. <laughs> I'm serious. I think it is. I mean, <laughs> there's nothing worse than having a player like Damian Lillard get moved to play with Giannis and Chris Middleton. Granted, I mean, giving you the full trade break or trade details now, the Bucks got Damian Lillard, but they shipped out Drew Holiday and a couple picks. Yeah. Which honestly, Grayson Allen. It was a it was a and Grayson Allen. Thank you. Yeah, it was yeah. a it was a three team trade. They were able to get it done. Bucks getting Damian Lillard, the Blazers. They were able to get Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton from the Phoenix Suns, as well as a 2029 first round pick and two pick swaps. And then the Suns, who were the third team in the in the deal, to which was the only reason it was able to be be made, they ended up getting Yusuf Nurkic from Portland, which I think is a fantastic get for them. Huge. And they were able to add some uh, depth to their bench as well, getting Grayson Allen, like you said, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. Yeah. They're not big names at all, but if we were to pull up the depth chart on the Phoenix Suns roster before this trade, their depth was non-existent. Yeah. Non-existent whatsoever. No, they needed this. And so now you add a few guys to help to that uh, bench depth. Grayson Allen is a good guard to have come off the bench, in my opinion. I think he's a, I think he's a good shooter, a good defender. He plays the right way. It, it's a good. It's a good get for the Suns. 
Who do you think wins that trade, though, when you look at the breakdown? Because I honestly think that it was fair on all sides. I'm going to say Milwaukee just because yeah, well, they yeah. have the best chance, in my opinion, out of those three teams, they have the best chance to win the NBA Finals this year. Yeah. And they do, according to uh, Caesar Sportsbook. Is that right? They after the trade, the Milwaukee favorites? is the favorites to oh, win the shit. NBA Finals. Yeah, I like honestly, plus three twenty five. I honestly like that though, because my boys are no longer known as the favorites. They're not, hopefully they don't get meat rided by ESPN as eighty six percent to win the whole conference. Um, so I obviously I don't like the move from a fan standpoint because this Bucks team just got even better with Giannis, but. Hopefully we can come as more of an underdog mentality now, and it's going to be tough as probably the second-best team in the conference. But I guess I'll take it. I don't really have a choice. <laughs> but I agree with you that obviously the Bucks definitely won that trade. I mean, they got Damian Lillard. Yeah. And the Bucks only gave up. They gave up Drew Holiday, and they gave up two first-round picks. Yeah, And I think, I mean, Dame's excited about it, which is the best part because, you know, rumor had it, if he wasn't getting traded to Miami, he wasn't going to camp, you know. Mm-hmm. He wasn't doing any of this stuff because they didn't honor his request. And now he gets to go play with Giannis, and, you know, who wouldn't be happy? Seriously. He's going to a championship caliber team without him, and now they're adding him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be scary. It's going to be scary. I don't want to just say my boys. You think the East is still going to be competitive, or you think it's the Bucks' race to lose? I mean, I still think the East is going to be competitive. Yeah. it's. I think it's really between the Celtics and the Bucks. Okay. I think everybody after that is kind of like a tear down. Yeah. Because there's still a bunch of incredible teams in this conference. Yeah. The Knicks, they're only getting better, honestly. Yeah. Jalen Brunson is arguably the best player on their team now. And you could say this guy's a superstar level player now. Yeah. I mean, just just the style of play in which he plays. And he'll great his in the offensive playoffs, skill. I mean, oh, my gosh. He's just yeah. he's taking that team to another level. And you could see it when they were able to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. And talking about the Cavaliers – this could possibly be the last season with Donovan Mitchell. I know they just it seems like they just got him. But th- it could be over just as soon as it got started for the Cavs. This might be the one last run. They're going to need to make a big push if they want to try and keep him for the long term after the season. Do you think the Cavs need to go out and try and make another move now cuz they were able to get in Max Struess. That's another which was a huge loss for the Heat. They lost both shooters and uh Max Struess and I uh Gabe Vincent so Max Struess is now in the Cavaliers, but the Cavaliers, they don't have, in yeah. my opinion, the team to compete with Boston or Milwaukee. And it's just, it's sad to say, because getting Donovan Mitchell was a huge get for them, and he turned their team to a yeah. whole other level. He fixed them. Yeah. Since I they mean, their guards aren't the problem, you know? Yeah. They got, you know, one of the best backcourts in the NBA. The small you got Max, you got, you got Max Struess now at the three. Mm-hmm. That's a... That's a big, I think, a big upgrade. Isaac Okoro is not good. I agree that it's an upgrade, but bi- I wouldn't say big. Not big, but he, had, we'll he adds, see how they use him. He adds a shooting ability that the team. We'll see how we'll see if they use him the right way. Yeah, because obviously he's a pure shooter, but he's not the type of guy you want to just let sit in the corner all the time. No, he's not a he's not a spot. You got to off ball screen. A hundred percent. You got to run plays for Max Drews. A hundred percent. I agree. A hundred percent. That's yeah. gonna be tough to do because you have. Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland running the show at the, in the backcourt. Yeah. But you got to make sure this guy gets involved. You can't just keep him in the corner yeah. or else his defense is going to be poor. Just it won't it won't yeah. all click. I think the Cavs number one priority right now is to move Jared Allen somewhere else and upgrade at the 5. 
You see that happening though? Probably not. Yeah. I honestly getting, don't. I don't know. I feel like they needed to, to they needed to have done it by now. Yeah. You know? hundred percent. Why didn't they go and get Aiton? He's better than Jared Allen. Yeah, why Allen. didn't they be a part of the three team trade? Yeah. Trade Jared Allen, get Aiton. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Aiton, but I agree he's a better player than Jared Allen. I mean because the only thing I ever saw Jared Allen at was was a dominant rebounder. Yeah. But then you look at the playoff series going way back against the Knicks, like we were talking about, he was getting bullied all series. Him and Evan Mobley. Yeah. It was a tough series for both of them. Yeah. And Jared Allen even said when the series was over, you know, the lights got too big for him. I don't know if he said that exactly, but he said the lights were brighter than he expected. Yeah. And that's not what you want to hear out of a professional NBA player in his first time in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I want to say I hope the best for the Cavs, but I really don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> I I think <laughs> I think Donovan Mitchell eventually leaves at the end of the season because, yeah, it's a great team, but what's the difference between this Cleveland team and that Utah Jazz team when he was there a couple years ago? I really don't see a difference. They're both we'll have to good see teams. at the end of the season because I think if they if they make the playoffs, which I, I think they will. Oh yeah, for sure. They if they win a series in the playoffs, I think he'll probably stay. Okay. Because they have, they didn't have playoff experience up until last year, really. Yeah. Most, most of the guys on that team. I would say every guy on that team, <laughs> yeah. like Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, they're getting off their first series. No one really played well. Let's wait a year and see how they do in, you know, hopefully the next series they play. But you got to think Donovan Mitchell's at that point in his career because, yes, he's still young. He's around the same age as Jason Tatum, but he wants to be competing for a championship each and every season. Yeah. And if he has an opportunity to go do that elsewhere, I wouldn't be surprised if he jumped on it. Yeah. Who's who's Cleveland going to get for him? A lot. Well, no. The thing <laughs> is, he's going to be a free agent. <sighs> That's bad. That's the problem. That's bad for Cleveland. That's terrible for Cleveland. <laughs> so it's almost as if you sh- should we start asking the question, should they try to move on from Donovan Mitchell and trade him away and get something from him while you still can? Because there's been that argument with multiple teams, multiple positions – and it's, I think it's arguably the same one with Donovan Mitchell yeah. and the Cavaliers. I mean, that's, you know, a talk between him and the organization. Yeah. That's well, definitely something to keep an eye on when this yeah. season comes up because the season's right around the corner. Um, we don't even realize it, but training camp's starting here in a couple weeks. What's the date? September 27th? Yeah. Training camp starts soon. Season starts in two or three weeks. Holy cow. Does time move fast? You getting excited? I'm getting extremely excited. <laughs> you know how much I've been missing Celtics basketball? <laughs> I know. I tear up thinking about it every day. <laughs> did you see the uh, the episode of Jason Tatum with Kevin Hart? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. That was funny. It was funny because Jason Tatum brought Deuce's jersey, gave it to Kevin Hart. Fit him perfect. Fit him perfect. <laughs> they had to have planned that. Yeah. That, like, no <laughs> shot. That's not actually Deuce's jersey. <laughs> it was hilarious, though, because Kevin Hart's like 5'2". Five, five and I just feel bad for him because, you know, he's a Philadelphia 76ers fan. He's trying to talk his shit, talking about how Philly's getting in the way of Boston. But Philly hasn't beaten Boston in the playoff series since 1900s. Yeah. So it's been a long time. <laughs> but NBA is going to be exciting. Top echelon teams. You know, we got the Denver Nuggets, Phoenix Suns with uh, KD and company, new squad, Golden State Warriors. You got to think this might be their last hurrah as they just traded Jordan Poole for Chris Paul. Huge news this offseason. We'll see how that ends up working for them. And then you go to the other side in the Eastern Conference. New edition Bucks, Dame and Giannis. You got the Celtics with the new edition, Chris Porzingis. We'll see what the Heat can do this year, even though 
all they did was just lose players this season, nothing else. Um, and then Philadelphia, who knows what ends up happening with James Harden. No new update with that. We expected him uh, him and the team to move on from each other. Nothing's happened yet. And then I, that's kind of where I'd stop it. There's going to be some high-level basketball here soon, and I can't wait. But with that being said, league time. We got a big game we got to talk about because we you weren't able to talk about it on the show last week with your Cincinnati Bengals, a banged up Joe Burrow, big Monday night football game against the Los Angeles Rams, a team that's been looking solid, honestly. Defense came to play, and man, were they doing what I was needing them to do, and that was force feed their superstars. And that was exactly what happened, and I want to say that was the reason why the Bengals were able to get the win this past weekend. Yeah. How'd you I feel mean, about it? We look better, you know? We don't look great. It's you don't sound too uh, too sure about that. I mean, it's just sad. Going into the season, like, that's an easy win, you know? <laughs> I mean, now I'm going into that game sweating because we stink. But we got it done. So I think we're on the uh, on a serious note. I think we're, uh, you know, coming up Yeah. on the incline. Um, I just – it's weird because I just feel like you guys kind of lost your three-dimension side of your offense. Like, granted, yes – Joe Burrow, he's banged up. He played banged up on Monday night. They changed their play calling for him to make sure the ball was getting out of his hands as soon as possible. But it almost just seems like the deep ball hasn't really been there like it's normally been in the Joe Burrow-Jamar Chase era. Am I wrong yeah. to question that? I mean... Because they've just been throwing short all game long and their offense has been struggling to get going. And I feel like it's because they haven't been able to open up for big plays. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Joe Burrow has been healthy enough to do any, you know, play action or anything like okay. that. Yeah. I don't think he can get out of it fast enough with his calf. I think that's a huge part of it. I mean, we were talking about it before we got on the pod. He watching that game, he wasn't moving at all in the pocket. No, there was only one time I saw him being mobile and it was yeah. when he had to be two minute drill. Running away from Aaron Donald. <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's when he had to when he had to move was when he was scared of getting killed. Yeah. But he looked, I mean, he did what he needed to do to win the game. I mean, the best ability is availability, right? I mean, the fact <laughs> hey, that he played. That's what they say. The fact that he played won us that game. We wouldn't have won that game with, you know, Trevor Simeon or Josh Browning. Yeah. yeah Jake Browning, yeah. I or mean, Jake Browning, yeah. Got Jamar the ball. T didn't look great. Dropped a lot of passes. That was horrendous. Yeah. He was. dropped so many balls. He did. And it was, it was like bad, too, five. because. It was crazy. It was bad, too, because. I was giving him a lot of love to a lot of people I was around before the game. And I was saying, you know, like I talk about it whenever I can. Like T. Higgins can arguably be a wide receiver one on a lot of football teams. Yeah. But he was struggling out there. He was struggling. He was really hurting the team on the offensive side. And he was, it was a big reason why they were struggling to get it going in the first half. Because he, what do you have, two drops in the first quarter? Yeah. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. I was so upset. And then his one catch, he shoved the defender to the ground, offensive pass interference. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just he had a he didn't play a great game. I mean, that happens though. I think yeah. he'll be he'll be fine next week. I'm sure. So you think the Bengals rally and pull it together this season? Granted, we're only three games in, a lot of football left to play. Um, but next three weeks before their bye week, they got Tennessee, Arizona, and Seattle. That's very promising. Great for us. Very promising. We're going to the bye week three and yeah. two. Can you that, imagine? That's exact or four and two if you guys were to win out. Oh yeah, four and two, four and two. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think that's really what you guys need because coming out of the bye week, it's at San Francisco, home against Buffalo. Yeah. It's two tough games. It is. <laughs> and not saying you guys can't win those games, but with the way you guys have been looking right now, you just want to see them get in the playoffs. Yeah. And so if you guys aren't able to beat 
I mean, you guys have to win at least two of these next three games. Yeah, at 100%. Least. I mean, I think we're going to. I don't think there's any excuse against Tennessee this week. I'm sorry. No, I don't either. I think Tennessee's really bad. But, Tennessee uh, has showed no promise to me at all, and it didn't help them getting their ass kicked by the Cleveland Browns 27-3 to this past week without Nick Chubb. A Chubbless Browns, they still got demolished. I yeah. know they beat the Chargers, but I think it was more of a fluke game than it was – you yeah. know, props to the team. I don't think that the uh, Titans are very good, to be honest. I mean, yeah. I agree with you. They did beat the Chargers. That's a good win, but like you said, that was probably more of a fluke game. 100%. Um, I don't think Brandon Staley's a good coach. I mean, we were talking about it last yeah, NFL we season were. on the pod. We were. We're back to it. We can't believe he didn't fire at them. <laughs> Him. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. I think it was they had the best, like, team with the most yards or most points, but then they have, like, and they couldn't win games. Yeah. yeah. It was like. Because they had one of the best offenses in the league. They had one of the best defenses in the league. And yet they had a pretty average record, had to play in a wild card game, were winning 27 to nothing, and they end up losing that game. There's been a lot of up and downs for the Chargers the last couple of years. Yeah. And it's only getting bigger. I mean, they've been without Austin Eckler these last couple of weeks. They've been saying he's out indefinitely. Who knows when he comes back from that hamstring injury? He's projected points in fantasy. Is Okay, okay. He's projected, projected points. He's projected points. That means he may be back this He's week. questionable. He's questionable. But they're also without now wide receiver two on the team, Mike Williams, who is a huge deep threat for them. He just tore his ACL. He's out for the year. Another big loss in the NFL. Uh, losing a guy to key season-ending injuries. Yeah, I mean... It's crazy. The amount of injuries this year is wild. I haven't seen any. I mean, we see injuries all the time, obviously, in football. I mean, that's the nature of the game. But the season-ending injuries that we've been seeing, it's just like something I've never seen before. No, I haven't seen it. It's a weekly thing. Yeah, it is. You know, Nick Chubb last week, Mike Mike Williams this week. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers the week prior. J.K. Dobbins the week prior. Yeah. A lot of other names, too, that I'm not going to name. Rodgers, yeah. But it's it's unbelievable. And what I, I know I'm about to take a bad turn here, twisting it to this, but you know what else is unbelievable? What? The Dolphins putting up 70 points <laughs> on Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos. I mean, they easily had the record in their fingertips. They just chose not to kick the field goal. They decided to show some mercy. They end up winning the game only 70 to 20. A flat-out demolition derby that the Dolphins were doing. And they showed on their offensive side they don't need to trade for Jonathan Taylor this season. No. I know teams are looking at him as the Colts are looking to trade him. Dolphins are one of those top teams. I mean, here are their RB1 and RB2 stats from the 70-20 to 20 victory against the Broncos. Starting running back Raheem Mostert had 82 yards, three rushing touchdowns to go along with Seven catches, 60 receiving yards, and another receiving touchdown. That's four touchdowns for Raheem Mostert. And then you got Devon Achan, trying to pronounce that correctly. We've been struggling with that for weeks. Seems like it's finally known what his last name is. Devon Achan, backup running back, 18 carries, 200 yards, and two touchdowns to go with 30 more yards and two more receiving touchdowns in the air. (laughs) And I didn't even bring up Tyreek Hill at 100 Basically 160 receiving yards and a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, this might be the scariest offense in the NFL right now. Yeah. Just because they have speed from top to bottom, and you have a great game manager, in my opinion, in Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, he's yeah. been he's been doing everything he's needed to do for them this season. And a great coach. 88.5% pass completion last week. 
had over 300 yards. Mike McDaniel, did you see the picture of him when he was younger as an intern for I one did, of those teams? For the Broncos. Did you see those earrings he was repping? <laughs> he looked like, to me, he looked like a mix of, um, I can't remember the other name I was thinking of. Who who was it? I don't know, but have you seen Shameless? No. Oh. <laughs> Few shameless fans out there, young Mike McDaniel with his earrings looked exactly like white boy Carl <laughs> in Shameless. <laughs> it was ridiculous how similar they looked. It was yeah. it was hilarious. Yeah. But was, Mike McDaniel, man, maybe we should start giving credit to him as a head coach. Yeah. Cause their offense is unbelievably dominant. Yeah. And now they go into this week as underdogs on the road against the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Bills defense does against their offense. You know, if they slow them down, it'll really tell us how bad the Broncos really are. Because well, you know, th- I'm I'm off the Sean Payton train now. You know, I think we see how bad the Broncos. It'll probably are. be like Urban Meyer. He should probably be gone after six games if they keep looking yeah. like this. I mean, you give up seventy points to any team. That's inexcusable. Yeah. You're professional football players, and I should never be given up. I hated 70. that they left. They gave up. Yeah, and I hated that they left Russell Wilson in the game. Hated that. You see, like it, that's so disrespectful. I feel like they see it more as like that's punishment. <laughs> but I, at the same time, I get what you're saying. You don't you do can't that to blame your it on fifty-five Russell. million dollar your quarterback or whatever yeah. the hell he's making. I mean, it's it's not cool. It's not what you want to see. No, you know, Bengals pulled Joe Burrow out when we were getting curb stomped by the Browns. Yeah, you you know you see it all the time. These guys get pulled out when their team is down a lot. Yeah, it's protecting your starting quarterback. And yeah. They just left them in there to get mollywopped by the Dolphins. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I kind of, I kind of, I see both sides of it, but I feel like you keep them in because you're punishing the team as a whole. Because it's in, it's inexcusable. The whole team gave up. The entire team. Yeah. I don't care if you want to say the offense didn't. The entire team gave up. Yeah, I mean they. It's they, inexcusable. They look awful. Yeah, <laughs> they look more than awful. They look like <laughs> one of the worst teams in football. Yeah, they and, are, they probably are. They they are the worst team in football. Well, there's a toilet bowl game coming up this week. We were talking about off the pod. Might as well bring it up now. We got your or I don't know why I keep doing that to you. I'm sorry. We I got like the, the I like the Bears. I'm fine with that. We got the <laughs> okay, fine. We got we got your boy Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears going up against a team that just got annihilated in the Denver Broncos. Both teams are sitting at zero and three. Um, this is a it's a one o'clock game. Bears are at home, and they're home dogs. They're three and a half point underdogs in this game. The Bears. I am all over the Bears in this game. I honestly, am too. I'm all over the Bears. Yeah. And it's not because I've been impressed with the Bears. I think Justin Fields has been very underwhelming this year, and he's starting to get a lot of backlash because he's been struggling to throw the ball in the pocket. I think they figure out a little bit against this rough Denver. Broncos defense is yeah. coming up weak in the toilet bowl. Yeah. I mean, he's played, he's practiced against better defenses at Ohio State. I mean, yeah. let's be real. They're I terrible. Agree. They're terrible. I agree 100%. How do you give up 70 in, in a professional football game? It's still something I don't really understand. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, but just the amount of 60 yard touchdowns that I saw in that game, like I'd have to count on two hands. Yeah. It was crazy. And that's why I was, I'm just over the Broncos, honestly. I don't even need to talk about them. Ain't no more about Russ cooking. <laughs> Those memes were off the chain this past weekend. <laughs> they were yeah. off the chain. But so you're you're riding with me in the Bears in that game? 100%. You're not giving up on Justin Fields yet, are you? Because a lot of people are saying, you know, this Bears team, we know that 
you know, they, they're probably going to get a top pick again in the draft next year. They have the Arizona Cardinals pick um, for the draft next year. So they're going to have potentially two top three, top five, whatever they may be, two top picks in the NFL draft next year. A lot of people are telling them to go and get Caleb Williams at one if they can. What do you think about that? Should they move on from Justin Fields after this season or should they try and build around him even more? I'm not saying Justin Fields has been great. But I don't think that what has been the coaching, like the management, how they're using their weapons, it's just been, it's terrible. Yeah. Watching the Bears is terrible. I mean, I agree that Justin Fields needs to be better. He 100% needs to be better. Just watching the film, like, I agree their weapons are not all that. I'm not a big fan of DJ Moore. I'm not huge on Darnell Mooney. Chase Claypool's a bust. I'm sorry. He's a bust. But they still get open at times. And when they're open, you got to find him the ball. Yeah. He looks downfield for two seconds max, and then he's looking to scramble and make a play with his feet. And I think he needs to do a better job of keeping his eyes downfield, even when he is scrambling away from pressure, even if he is trying to make a play. You can't take your eyes off downfield. But he only can look downfield for two seconds because he's getting rushed every play. I wouldn't. I would disagree with that. Their honestly. offensive line is terrible. I know it's not that good, but there's times where. He has time to sit in the pocket, and after two seconds, he's looking to scramble and make a play, but there's nowhere to go because guys aren't at him, but they're in front of him. And he I, – I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm trying to explain it, and I know I'm not doing a good job, but – I get what you're saying. He needs to keep his eyes downfield. If he's getting pressured, that doesn't mean you just take off and run. Like, you, there will be times where you need to do that, and he's tremendous at it. Don't get me wrong. But until you cross the line of scrimmage, you can't take your eyes off downfield. And I feel like he's done a terrible job at that. And it sucks because he's getting a lot of backlash and a lot of people are saying maybe Justin Fields isn't that guy. But you know I what's crazy about him? Oh. I think he could be a great like Taysom Hill type type of player. You think? I actually do. Can you imagine? A guy that can him utility. The, him guy? lined up in the backfield with Caleb Williams, you know, little <laughs> Hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Listen to this. Listen to this. Imagine shotgun snap, three receivers, Justin Fields and Caleb Williams. You know, Justin Fields playing like, you know, H back. Okay. <laughs> you know, little lateral pass to Justin Fields. Justin Fields can throw it or run. I mean, that could be deadly. That's something I, to think about. The only reason why I say that would be crazy is because you got two guys in your backfield that can throw the ball. So it's like you can pitch it on an option and then he can still throw it, but that's crazy. That would never happen. Obviously, Justin Fields is a quarterback. Strict quarterback. But I know I've been trying to defend Justin, and I do think he's going to end up being better this season. I think he ends up figuring it out. I think they end up winning a few games. I think he ends up looking better. But I wouldn't be against them trading Justin Fields away, getting more assets, using those assets that they get from that trade along with the two picks they're going to have in the first round this draft and just load up on their team. Get Caleb Williams, get a couple more weapons, get some guys from the trade. They should give them to the Jets. That's who they should give them to. Right now? Yeah, right now. Now, I think think a move that needs to be made for the Jets is that they need to go get Kirk Cousins. That could happen. I think that's a move that needs to be made. But then what do they do? Um, well, cause so how I see it now, you know, the Vikings are one of those teams who they were, what did they win? 13 games last year, but we talk about it all the time. Their plus minus differential was in the single digits. You could argue, but so you could argue that, you know, it was kind of a fluke last year. Their defense hasn't looked good at all. I am not saying that 
Kirk Cousins isn't that guy because trust me, Kirk Cousins is still that guy. He's still top five in passing yards. He's actually number. He's actually leading the league in passing yards right now with a thousand seventy-five, nine touchdowns, two interceptions. He's playing great football. Yeah. But if you if you can't win football games with your quarterback still performing like that, then don't you want to try and do what's best for your team and rebuild a little bit? Because if you're not going to win, maybe yeah. that's a little crazy for me. I think you could get a lot from out of Kirk Cousins if you were to deal him. Yeah. Especially to a Jets team that is really desperate right now. They just the Jets signed. are going to give everything they have away for Kirk Cousins just well, for it's Aaron not like, It's not like you're back. giving everything. We're talking about, I would say we're talking about maybe a couple picks and a player. Because right, Kirk, Cousins, Kirk Cousins is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. And that's exactly going back to my point why I think the Vikings should maybe take a move or should maybe make a move because they're already, you know, there's already talks that they're probably going to go their separate ways with Kirk Cousins after the season. I Here's my... So it goes... It, I know you want to say something, but it's another point to where I say, like, if this guy might be gone by the end of the season anyways, why not maybe try and move him and see what you can get for him? Yeah. I agree with the Vikings maybe moving him. I just don't think it'll be to the Jets because, you know, the Jets already gave away so much to get Aaron Rodgers. So yeah. many picks... I don't think they can just give away more picks because I don't think they have picks to give away, you know? Yeah. And, you know, they're going to give away these picks and a player for Kirk Cousins and then Aaron Rodgers comes back next year and is starting anyway. And then you have to move Kirk Cousins again. And I just don't think it's worth it, you know? Yeah. I think they, you know, saw Kaepernick send them, send send uh, the Jets his letter, get yeah. on the practice squad, <laughs> maybe take that into consideration. They just uh, mm. signed Trevor Simeon from the Bengals. They did, which um, is, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so, but he's in, probably better than Zach in, Wilson. In my opinion, I think anything is better than Zach Wilson he's at this so point. Bad. And I know people want to keep giving him a chance, but you know damn well Jets fans are over it. They've the been Jets over. Players it. are over it. Jets players are over it, and I've that's s- and that's where I think the line needs to be drawn with this yeah. Jets organization, with their coaching staff, and with their management. When they're beefing in the locker room, over yeah. starting quarterback. I mean, yeah. When Garrett Wilson's you know yelling at the offense coordinator on the sideline, yeah. Mm-hmm. Something's got to change. I agree 100%. Those are your star guys. That- and don't you want to try and take advantage of the type of roster you have? I mean, this defense is good from yeah. the New York Jets. I haven't seen a good defense like this from them in years. Yeah. And they've been more than performing. They've been shining. And they still aren't able to get wins. I mean, granted, they got the win first game of the year against the Bills. That was a huge win for them on, uh, was it Monday night? How many games do we think Zach Wilson can win? None. Six? No. Like three. You think? Yeah. <laughs> Let's pull up their schedule. I think, think that if Zach Wilson starts for them this year, they'll they'll finish like four and thirteen. I mean, it doesn't get any easier. They got the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night coming up this weekend. That's an L. Yeah. And then you got the Denver Broncos on the road, which I think that's a winnable game. That's a winnable game. And then before their bye week, they got the Philadelphia Eagles. So let's say they go one and two in the next three weeks. You're sitting at two and four. Coming out of the bye week, you play the Giants, Chargers, Raiders, Bills, Dolphins. First five weeks after the bye week. So they're probably losing. I think there's a debate they could lose every single one of those games. Yeah, they could beat the Raiders, but I think the Raiders are better than the Jets right now. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So I just feel like it's only in due time when they make a move. Zach Wilson won't start forever. Whether they start him or Trevor Simeon, I don't know. They don't even have a pick in next year's draft, do they? They no, give it to the Packers. They do not. It's not like it's a second round or I think it's a second round pick now though. 
Is it? Because Aaron Rodgers didn't get the – he didn't oh, play the yeah. percentage of the games. Yeah. So instead of a first-round pick, it's a second-round pick. So I think they still got their first. But still, you lost a draft pick for yeah. nothing this season, basically. Play with Trevor and Zach all season. Go 4-12 and 12 and go draft like Marvin or something to play Seriously? with Garrett. You know? That'd be <laughs> filthy. Yeah. <laughs> for one last ride with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers would win the MVP. Yeah, he would. He would. <laughs> he really would. He really would. The best offense in the league. <laughs> Another game that I wanna I wanna bring up just because it's so influential and it's gonna be a big factor of my power rankings to end the show. Cowboys this past weekend. That was crazy. I mean, as soon as we ended the episode last week, it came out that Trevon Diggs tore his ACL in practice. It was a huge loss for the Cowboys defense. Yeah. And it showed right away. It's almost as if they didn't recover from that injury. They went up against arguably one of the worst teams in football in the Arizona Cardinals with Josh Dobbs leading the realm. He looked good. He looked. He did look good. He <laughs> did look crazy. good. It's unbelievable. I don't know how the Cowboys with the Cowboys defense Dobbs that we've been saying good, this might be the best defense I've ever seen. Yeah. And now they gave up 28 points to the Arizona Cardinals, only put up 16. Dak Prescott was not my favorite in that game. He did not look good at all. They lose 28 to 16 to the Arizona Cardinals. Should we worry about the Cowboys at all, or? Is this another fluke-type game, just another game in the long road of the NFL season? That could be a fluke game. I don't know. That could be – I see if, like, the Cowboys, you know, come out a little flat. You know, Cardinals are bad. We're going to win. But at the end of the day, it's professional football and, you know, any, no any given Sunday. You know? Yeah, yeah, so that's true. That's true. It happens. You lose to bad teams. I think it's going to be a little bit of a reality check, and I fully expect the Cowboys to come back and dominate. Probably whoever they play next week. Oh well. Do they play the? You know who they play next week? They play the Niners. They or no, they play the New England Patriots. I'm oh. sorry. In two weeks, they play the San Francisco 49ers. Okay. But the New England Patriots, they looked good in my book. Yeah. I mean, granted, it was a tight game against the Jets, but their defense has been doing a good job. First two weeks, I grant. Granted, they gave up 25 and 24, but we're talking about to the Philadelphia Eagles, former NFC champs, and the Miami Dolphins, who honestly look like the best team in the AFC right now. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, there's still a lot of question marks with yeah. the Tampa Bay, or excuse me, with the New England Patriots. So yeah, we'll, I mean, so we'll we can save that for another day. I I mean, I just expect, I think that the Cowboys are going to come out and I think they dominate the Patriots. Yeah. Okay. I think Mac think Jones. They bounce back. I, I don't think Mac Jones is good enough to play against that Cowboys defense with or without Trayvon Diggs. I mean. Okay, it's interesting. Yeah. Looking at the line right now, I mean, it's current. It's currently sitting at seven points. Yeah. Is that something you're taking? Maybe alternate. I think that's <laughs> something I'm taking, honestly. I like what you're thinking, a little a big bounce-back game for the yeah. Cowboys. A little wake-up call for them. Losing Definitely was a wake-up call losing yeah, to the Cardinals. Yeah. How about some other big games this coming up weekend? I mean, we got the uh, game in London going on at 9.30 on Sunday. Jaguars against the Falcons. I feel like the Jaguars always play in London. They do. They play in London every year. Why? Why is it always the Jaguars? I think it's their owner who chooses to do it. Okay. He likes doing it. But the Jacksonville Jaguars have looked extremely, extremely suspect since week one. I mean, they beat they beat Anthony Richardson and the Colts 31-21 in week one. But since then, I mean, they only put up nine points against the Chiefs week two. They go up, go up against our boy and C.J. Stroud and Houston Texans week three. C.J. Stroud balls on them and ends up beating the Jaguars 37-17 to with Tank Dell as his best weapon. Yeah. Is this – are we giving props to C.J. Stroud? Because, I, I mean, C.J. Stroud is top five in passing yards this season. Yeah. It was it – was, the Texans hit on their pick. They made 100%. the right pick. It was yeah. a great hit. Both picks. 
But how about the Jacksonville Jaguars? Should we stop overhyping them a little bit? Maybe they're not arguably the best team in the division, or are they just going through a rough stretch early? I mean, I think they're. You know, it's so early still. I mean, it, you have it's extremely early. You have you have fourteen more games left. I mean, yeah. I think that the Jaguars are they're playing the Falcons this week. I think they come out and win that game big at home. Big. Big in London. Remember it's in oh, London. in London. Yeah. In big London. in London. Yeah. But I mean I just I think the Jaguars are gonna get it done. I mean, you got Trevor Lawrence, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, you got Travis Etienne, I mean, Evan Ingram, Zay Jones. They look great on paper. They do. And I think they just, you know, it's just going to take a couple weeks to put it together. Because at the beginning of last year, they didn't look fantastic. No, so. but this is year three for Trevor Lawrence now, if I'm not mistaken. We're expecting a big year three leap from this quarterback, and we haven't really seen it yet. Yeah, I get what you're saying. We probably expect more from them, but a lot you can say that about a lot of teams right now, man. A lot That's of true. teams. That's true. So, I mean. NFL's all over the place. Yeah. Hey, if I had to ask you who are the top five Leaders in passing yards right now, would you be able to answer that? I mean, I gave you two already. Yeah, uh, I know two is in there. Has to be. Yep, he's at two. Two is at two. Um, CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud's at five. Kirk Cousins. Yeah, we already got him. He's at yeah, one. He's at two one. other guys. Three and four. If you had to take a shot in the dark. Pat Mahomes isn't on the list, right? Pat Mahomes is seven right okay. now. Josh Allen's not on the list. Josh Allen is all the way down at 13 right now. Yeah, I figured. Oh, um... Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's there at three. He's having a good year, honestly, even though they haven't looked fantastic. Is, uh, is, Purdy, is Purdy on there? Brock Purdy's uh, down at 10. He's not there. There's another guy with over 900 yards that you're not thinking of. Think about it. Over 900 yards. I'm trying to go through teams. and I'm, It's not Trevor Lawrence, obviously. Nope. Trevor Lawrence is 11. Derek Carr? Nope. Derek Carr is... Is it a bum? Is it someone I'm never going to No, he's not guess? a bum. <laughs> you just played him on Monday night. It's Matthew Stafford. Oh well. In the Los Angeles Rams offense. He looks like a bum. With Puka Nakua. We shut them down. You guys did shut them down. Six sacks, kidding me. But if anything, that just gives more props to the Rams offense. Yeah. I mean, that was the best defensive game I've seen us play in a while. I mean, it was a perfect game plan. We blitzed damn near every every play. It was it was perfect. We used Matthew Stafford's immobility against them. Yeah. And it worked out great. Ended yeah. up coming up clutch for you guys. Yeah. A big thing that's been weird for me is a lot of these quarterbacks in the league right now, they've been turning the ball over a ton. Yeah. And you and you look at the top of this list with the guys leading in interceptions. There's a quarterback with six picks in three games. There's a quarterback with five through three. And there's one, two, three, four, five quarterbacks with four interceptions already through three games. I mean, obviously there's not much we can say about it. But when you look at the list of names, and I'll give it to you, from top to bottom, it's Jimmy Garoppolo with six picks. Sam Howell leading with the Commanders at five picks. Then you got Zach Wilson, Daniel Jones, Josh Allen, Justin Fields, and Matthew Stafford, all with four interceptions through three games. Out of all these quarterbacks, I'm going to take uh, Josh Allen out of the field. Who are you most confident in? Probably Stafford. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. You know, he's missing his wide receiver one. Yeah. Arguably top five wide receiver in the league. I think when he comes back with uh, Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell, that receiving core is going to be really good. Yeah. Um, Kayvon Williams is up and coming running back. Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams, sorry. Kyron Williams. He, yeah. looks, he looks good. I mean, they use him a lot of ways. I mean, they were throwing the ball to him a lot in, that, in the Monday night game. Yeah, they were. 
Except Matthew Stafford wasn't able to put it into his arm's reach. No, he wasn't. But he was open <laughs> for a lot of dump-offs, wasn't getting it. Yeah. I, I like kind of what we're doing right now. I, I want to ask you, uh, top five leaders in rushing yards this season. Could you name that through three weeks? Is Nick Chubb still on the list? No, Nick Chubb is not on the list. Is either or both of the Dolphins They're running all backs healthy running backs. On the list? Uh, Raheem Mostert is the highest. He's at sixth right now with 240 yards on the year. Okay. Uh, Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey's in at one. I don't think I can, to be honest. I've seen I've seen the list on Instagram, and the top five guys were all like kind of surprising. Not yeah. the top, obviously, Christian McCaffrey. Um, I'm trying to think. So many guys have been hurt. Like Eckler's been out. Mm-hmm. Saquon's been out. Yep. Zach Moss on that list. Zach Moss is at nine. Damn. He has two ten. That wasn't a bad guess. There's another guy with 300 rushing yards on the season, and he's only played in two games, basically. It's not. It's, un, it's unbelievable. It's not Achan, a chain. It's not a chain. A chan, <laughs> Devon A chan. No. Is it Kyron Williams? No. Number two, DeAndre Swift. Oh, and basically shit. two games with the Eagles. I mean, yeah. he played in all three games, but in the first game, he only got he got one carry for three yards in yeah. the first game. He had 175 yards in Week Two against Minnesota. 130 yards last week against Tampa Bay. I mean, if he continues to do what he's doing, he looks spectacular. This Eagles offense is is without a doubt going to take them back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, their offense doesn't look as good as it did last year, though. I think Jalen Hurts doesn't look as good as he did last. year. I agree year. that Jalen Hurts doesn't look as good. I think it's more just defenses are figuring him out a little better. Yeah, and I think I think they'll be fine. I mean, they have so many weapons on the offense. Yeah, it'll be pretty easy to adjust, yeah. but. And now you add a elusive running back like DeAndre Swift. Yeah. And really they're good. using him the right way too. I yeah. mean, he's just unbelievable. And I hate to say it because I've been going up against him in fantasy, but he's been a top dog. And then at number three, definitely wouldn't get it. James Cook with 267 <laughs> yards on the year. Yeah. Fourth, James Connor, Arizona Cardinals, yeah. 266 on the year. And Tony Pollard rounds it out with 264 as well. People are using the running backs a little, I feel like, less than normal this year. 100%. I mean, mean, Derrick Henry's a big name to look at. He only has 163 on the year. Yeah, I saw that. He only had 11 carries this past weekend for 20 yards. What are they doing? But 11 carries for 20 yards? I guess, but that's. I feel like that's an offensive line problem. Yeah. You're not blaming Derrick Henry for that. I feel like, you know. I agree. With a good O-line, I feel like Derrick Henry is still a top three running back in the you could say, but he's also getting up there in age. He is. And it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Last one for you guys, and then I'll give my power rankings as we end the show. Top five leaders in receiving yards in the NFL so far. Mm, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill's at two. Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson's at one. Puka Nakua. Puka Nakua's at four. Ooh, good start. Um, is Mike Evans on the list? Mike Evans is at seven. Ah, oh, that was a good guess. It's no one in the AFC North. Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen at three. That was good. Wow. Now you're just missing five. Um, Give you two more guesses. Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams. I'm a beast. Boom. That was crazy. Where was that with the QB and the RBs? <laughs> I, know my, I know my receivers a little better. All right. Respect. Respect. <laughs> All five receivers have been undoubtedly unbelievable this season. Puka Nakua is the biggest name that people weren't expecting. Um I mean, a rookie, first and foremost. He's got some beautiful locks. Out of BYU. 
Yeah, out of BYU. But the best receivers in the league, man, it's a two-man race between Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill. I think yeah. it's I think it's a good debate that both of these receivers could actually be going for 2,000 receiving yards this season. I think Tyreke, with the way their quarterbacks are throwing the ball. The best receiver in the league right now. And I, uh, and I was sleeping on him last year, you know, just because, you know, I'm a big Jamar guy, you know. Yeah. Jamar's not showing out this year, except for last last uh, last week. He could still be better, though. Oh, Even with that big game on Monday night, you still could have. Or I don't know. Maybe not that's this a pretty, past weekend. That was a pretty big game. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I feel like it's Tyreek Hill, Jay Jettis, and probably Devontae Adams right now for me. I still give Jay Jettis the top of the round, one, because he's the younger receiver. Yeah. And two, he doesn't have a weakness. Like, I would say there's one weakness from Tyreek Hill, and that, and it's that he can't win a jump ball over you. He can. Uh, he can. He can. He's like a 44 inch vertical. That's not something you're like banking on. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Justin Jefferson, we've seen what he can do snagging balls with one hand. But that's not the type of that's not that's not how they use him though, you know. He he runs the crossers and, you know, his Tyree kill. Yeah. A yeah, lot yeah, of his yeah. plays are catches and yeah. runs, you know. Yeah. Justin Jefferson's more about that pure route running. Yeah. Yeah. It's understandable. Because Tyree Kill can run away from anybody. Yeah. Yeah. 1A and 1B I'm okay with. Yeah. For I, sure. I like that. Do you want to talk about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift? The only the only cool thing about that is that his jersey sales went up 400%. And him and his brother have the number one podcast in the world right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the crazy. Swift effect. Taylor Swift effect. So what happens when you start dating wow. a billionaire. Because they went out to dinner after, and she bought out the restaurant. She he, he bought out he bought out the restaurant. No, I think she did. No, he bought out the restaurant. Really? I heard that she did. I don't he know. He bought that. it out because because I I saw that and it said the caption was like, uh, "Travis Kelsey's the only guy that actually realizes that he's with Taylor Swift." Well, on that mm -hmm. I, I like saw he imagined him going to the bathroom, looking in the mirror, and just going. I'm on a date with Taylor Swift, like hyping himself up. Imagine how nervous he was. I feel like it's bigger to be on a date with Travis Kelsey. Are you kidding? <laughs> Travis Kelsey's crazy. Do you not know Taylor Swift's fan base? I but Travis Kelsey's Travis Kelsey. Okay, yeah, wait, wait, like, wait, wait, wait. Let's but hold on. We're Taylor talking Swift about has more fans. We're talking about a whole a whole league. You know how yeah. many people yeah. watch Fair. the NFL that have watched Travis Kelsey play football? But Taylor probably Swift more people is that have been generations, to, decades. I know, but I've never been to a Taylor Swift concert. Well, no, not yeah, it's a completely different fan base. Yeah, but I'm. But I think the NFL millions fan base, of people. You got There's Travis thirty Kelsey teams. Isn't, but. There's thirty teams. Each team has you know how many millions of fans. It's a lot of people. I don't know which fan base is bigger: the NFL fan base or the Taylor fan base. That's a, honestly a great debate. Because everybody in America watches the NFL. And every, <laughs> I feel like every female in America knows who Taylor Swift is, though. Yeah. yeah. And because Taylor Swift was at the game, the ratings for that game skyrocketed. And it was a blowout against the Chicago <laughs> Bears. It was a blowout. Yeah. They dominated. I, I, I think it's good for both parties. It's a lot of publicity for both sides. Yeah. 100%. I don't really see what Taylor Swift is getting out of it. Travis Kelsey's making a fuck ton of money on his jersey sales, though. That's good for him. <laughs> <laughs> but let me get into my power rankings. It's I have no idea what I wanted to put at five because there's so many question marks coming into this coming into this week. You know, with the Ravens losing 
losing to the Colts without Anthony Richardson. The Dallas Cowboys, we already talked about, losing to the Arizona Cardinals. They still don't have Kyler Murray. It was Josh Dobbs leading the show. But there was a couple teams I was impressed with this uh, this past week. Um, but at number five, I mean, I know they're coming off a tough loss, but I'm still going to put them there because I don't think there's anyone else that deserves it more, honestly. So I'm putting the Dallas Cowboys at five. And that's because we still know what their offense is about. I know their defense didn't look great. But you got to think they just didn't recover from that Trayvon Diggs injury. And you got to think they get their minds right and come back stronger against the Patriots this weekend. I think they'll be fine. It's just a game in the road in the NFL season. They're obviously still one of the best teams in the league. I uh, I put them in at five. I like that. At number four, um, at number four, I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. And – I know they had that loss first week of the season, but since then they've been balling. Yeah, they won 17-9 at Jacksonville. Yeah, they dominated the Chicago Bears 41-10 at home in the Swift game, in the Taylor Swift game. They got Patrick Mahomes. I say it each and every week. I feel like that's all I need to say when I talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, and I feel like there's always an argument for them to be ranked higher. At number three, I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's just because I would have them higher, but I personally believe there's a couple teams with uh, a team with a better defense and a team with a better offense right now. Um, they only put up – I know 25 – is it bad that I'm saying they only put up 25 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I'm not, I'm not, not going to treat the Tampa it like Bay, that. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a great defense, but Baker Mayfield played so bad that, like, their defense was on the field the whole game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Eagles had way more opportunities to score than the Buccaneers did. And that's kind of why I'm, I was like, okay, yeah, the you Eagles, yeah. Eagles could have played a little better. I mean, Jalen Hurts also threw for two picks in that game. It's, yeah. not, it's very unusual, Jalen Hurts. But let me tell you. It was it, raining. It was pouring. It was raining. It was pouring. Still, it's unusual. It is. It's it not is. what I'd expect. Yeah. Granted. I still got him at number three in the power rankings. They're one of the best teams in the league. We talked about it earlier. If DeAndre Swift is able to maintain what he's been doing these last two weeks, they're going to be a very, very scary team in the NFC. With the second team I have in my power rankings, the San Francisco 49ers. And the reason why I put them ahead of the Eagles is because of their defense, honestly. I mean, their defense is just – it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. With Nick Bosa leading the charge – one of the best defensive linemen in the league, Brock Purdy. I'm officially on the Brock Purdy train. I'm done hating on him. Because, you know, with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, they're not known as the best weapons in the league, but they're good weapons. CMC in the backfield, George Kittle. There's not there's not much that can go wrong with the 49ers. And then with Kyle Shanahan calling the play calls, they're only going to be getting better this season. And I think it's going to be a two-three-man race in the NFC. But at number one, I got the Miami Dolphins, and I think the 70 – the 70-piece wing dinner that they had against the Denver Broncos this past week is the only reason that's needed for them to be number one. I mean, they have the fastest offense I've ever seen. If their defense can find a way to get healthy and they can start being a top defense as well, look out for the Dolphins to make a playoff push and maybe compete to make the Super Bowl this year. Maybe. Is it crazy that I think that? No. I, I love Mike McDaniels. I mean – I think they have the coach for it. Tua looks good. I think their quarterback is good enough to do it. Obviously, they have the weapons. I mean, I think they can outscore anybody. It's just, I think it's all depends on their defense. 
Yeah. Because their offense is there. You know, it really can't get better than a 70. It can't get any better. It can't. <laughs> 36, 24, and 70 in your first three weeks. Yeah. And 24 was against the Patriots. I've been respecting the Patriots this year. Credit to their uh, rookie DB, Christian Gonzalez. He's been lights out for them on the defensive end. I mean, if you look at all the matchups he's been playing this season, he's been locking up all the best receivers. Yeah. So that's my list for you. That's a good list. Is there anyone you put in? Because I had no idea who to put in at five. I had no idea. All the teams lost this week that were at the top of the charts. What were your other options? Bills? I mean, Bills are definitely up there, but I'm still not sold on them. Josh Allen needs to be better. Yeah. Um, I would have had the Ravens in there, but they sold their game against the Colts this week. Yeah. That's a bad loss. That's a bad loss. I So that bumps them out immediately. I was thinking about maybe putting the team like the Cleveland Browns in there, but with no Nick Chubb, I just don't see a good ending to the season for them, honestly. Yeah. And then but they have you know, they have the best defense in the league. You think so? Right now. I mean, have you seen their I their mean, yeah, they've are, only given up 32 points this season. That's are cra- they've only given up one touchdown from scrimmage. Yeah. That's unbelievable. 10 points per game. Yeah. You know, they average the most sacks, lowest QBR. It's crazy how good their defense has been. I don't know how they lost to the Steelers a couple weeks ago, but they literally outplayed them in every facet of the yeah. game except for turnovers. Yeah. They just turned the ball over way too much. Yeah. So maybe that's a team we need to keep an eye on. Yeah. I just I mean, really think it's, you know, losing a guy like Nick Chubb, it's hard to recover from that. Yeah. But I mean, I'm happy. I had the AFC North had a good week for my Bengals. Ravens yeah. lost. Browns won, but you know, that's okay. No, nah, you know. Steelers won. Steelers won, but you guys are right back in the mix. Yeah, Ravens lost. That's all that matters. <laughs> that's all that matters. I, we can keep up with the other two teams, but if Lamar starts winning, you know, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> One last thing before we end the show, because I got to bring it up. How are you on Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers? Because, man, oh, man, does he look like he's been playing? he's been starting in the NFL for three years already. He's, he's okay. He's, he's all right. just okay. I think he's just okay. I saw a stat today. He has a 31%. 31% of his passes are uncatchable. Worst are uncatchable? The, worst in the league by a long shot. That was, uncatchable. That's an interesting stat. Isn't it? It's a I very interesting stat. 31% of his catches are passes are uncatchable. That's wild. Maybe it's better that they're uncatchable <laughs> instead of, you know, catchable in the or tip tipped up and intercepted, yeah, yeah. I guess. Maybe. I don't know. But you're Maybe right. He just throws it away a lot. I don't know. The stat could be misleading. But I mean, not. He, I just thought it was interesting. He has a 53% completion percentage this season, which 53, is not. That's not. That's not good at all. It's not great, but he's winning his team games, and that's really seven good. to one touchdown to interception ratio. That's good. That's very good. Fantastic. Yeah. Very. And good. they've been without AJ Dillon these last couple weeks. Yeah. I think the Packers have a chance to make some noise and make a run at winning this division. Yeah. The Packers and the Lions play this week, don't they? No. Tomorrow night, Thursday night football. Yeah, yeah, they play tomorrow. Lions open up as a one and a half point favorite. Big, big so, division game. Are they at home? Uh, it's in Green Bay. Ooh. Yeah, it's a great game. So the viewers are already going to know the result of this game by the time this podcast comes out. Should we give a prediction for that game? Yeah, I'm taking the Lions. Yeah, I'm going to follow suit on that. I'm going to take the Lions. Money line or spread? Money line. One and a half point favorites. I'll take spread. It's going to be a great game. It will be. It's going to be a great game. It's really going to show 
just you know everything we who's leading the charge in the NFC yeah, North. Everything we need to see in that conference, and we'll figure it out, and we'll be able to talk about it next week on Lance's House Sports. <laughs> but with that being said, I think that's a great stopping point. Time to sign off. Yeah, it's a bye week for the Buckeyes, so we get a rest week. No, no sweating this week. Chance for Kyle McCord to hit the books, keep studying the film. I'm not satisfied until the season's over yeah. and we're champions. Got midterms next week. Yeah, we do. Sucks. Yeah. It's not something I want to talk about on this show. So <laughs> that's going to do it. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>